Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the Word. God bless you. I'm going to kind of get into a little bit of a part two of last week um, in, in kind of the nature of looking at an aspect of God that maybe we don't always think about, but is something Jesus is very clear to bring out to us. Last week, I talked about how God is the coverer, right? A lot of times we feel like in our sin and dysfunction can feel like God's coming to uncover, to expose. We're always afraid that if, you know, people really saw or if God wants to just, but that's not who God is. He's a coverer. He's actually come to cover your shame, cover your brokenness, heal and set you free. Even the prodigal son, the first thing that happens when he finally comes back home to his father is his father says, hey, quick, bring the best robe and cover my son, right? He's a cover. I'm so thankful for that. But here, here's another thing about the nature of God and what we see that I want to lean into Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 6. We're going, we're going Old Testament on it. We're going Ezekiel on it. And this is a little shout out to any uh, OG uh, Christians who grew up like learning how to like memorize the books of the Bible um, like I did. I, I kind of mentioned that in the first service and I was like, I don't know if a lot of people have done that. But uh, if that was everybody's childhood or if you went to kids church and they did that or Bible school or, or you know, uh, kids uh, homeschool or something like that. But Ezekiel, I always think of uh, a specific hand motion when I think of Ezekiel because he had, they had like these hand motions that went, went with each book of the Bible. And Ezekiel was like a shaved head because he shaves his head. The prophet Ezekiel does as like a metaphor or a visual. So I always think of a head shaved. No one's, no, do it. Yeah. Yeah. Eh. I really don't really connect with Ezekiel as a prophet in the Bible personally. More of a Samuel guy, but uh... <laughs> so anyways, Ezekiel 33, 6 says this, but if the watchman, someone say watchman, someone say that's me, says if the watchman sees the sword coming, so the sword would represent the enemy, danger, and attack. He sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people and the sword comes and takes somebody's life. That person's life will be taken because of their sin. So talking about the enemies, kind of whoever attacked and killed, their life is going to be uh, taken as kind of an account of their, of their blood. It says this, but I will hold the watchman accountable for it. It's pretty powerful, pretty sobering truth, actually. Come on, listen, the, the watchman is, is a guy on the tower or on the wall of the city that is looking out the horizon to see danger that could potentially be coming, that could be attacking, that could be trying to mess with the strength and the fortification of that city, and he's watching for it. And it says, if the watchman sound, does not sound the alarm, whatever damage happens to that city, the watchman is actually responsible for it. So if, if the watchman does sound the alarm and no one pays attention, then it's on, it's on their own heads. 
But if he doesn't sound the alarm, it's, his, it's the role of the watchman to, to make some noise, to, to alert people to danger. And if we don't, if we sit by and say nothing, then it's on us. We're actually responsible for that. You know, thinking about this concept is that what God is teaching us in this passage and all throughout is that God is somebody who gets involved. He's the coverer, but he's also somebody who gets involved. There's a real lie in kind of Christian culture, not an awakened church, but in general Christian culture that if you, real Christians don't really get involved in things. Man, you just, just preach the gospel, stay in your church kind of circle, pray from a distance, but Christians don't get involved in politics. Christians don't get involved in maybe social issues as far as like talking against abortion or things of that nature. Just, you know, stick to your, your preaching and, and don't get involved. But I see a God who actually calls us. And not only does he get involved, but he calls you and me to be watchmen who get involved. We are called to be somebody who stands up and says, hey, there's danger coming, right? It's, it's why I'm so vocal on every platform that I have. There's too many, honestly. Can we all just, just decide there's only like two or something like that? I get tired of posting on 75 social media platforms, right, to try to say something. It feels like it. Good Lord. Um. And honestly, you're probably annoyed at me if you follow me. Like, don't follow me on all, like, ten of them. Just don't, because it's going to be pretty much the same thing, okay? So unfollow me on at least seven, and then the other ones are going to be about the same. Um, but we're called to step in. This is the nature of God. Remember John 3.16? We talked about this a little bit last week, but it's the most well-known verse. And I leaned into one part of it for God so loved, right? He so loved the world, not that he so hated, not that he was so angry, that, not that he was so agitated, not that he was so fed up. It was because he so loved that he gave. It was because of his love, but his love did not stay in heaven. It caused him to move to action. It caused him to get involved, right? God gets involved in things, He's not a distant father. He's not a disconnected, uninterested, doesn't really have any concern for you know, what's going on in the world. God saw the mess of our brokenness, and he said, I'm going to get involved, right? It's what God does, and it's by nature who you and me are called to be. We are not supposed to be just bystanders. We're not supposed to be just kind of looking at a distance at things. We need to get involved. We need to get active. We need to see problems and actually meet those problems. You know, the fact that you feel agitated about something in culture usually means tag you're it, right? Usually means you are supposed to do something about it, right? That's it, you know, only half of you are clapping because, you know... Take a Red Bull break. New sponsorship. Thankful for them. Uh, <laughs> actually, if anyone has any direct contacts, I'm definitely interested in picking up a sponsorship. I will just, I gladly, I'll drink them every service. I don't care. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, um, 
you know, the, there, there's a reason why we were called, we, and we are called to get active. It's why you see us as Awaken always getting involved in stuff that a lot of churches won't get involved in or, or have stayed away from or have been uncertain about. It. It's why last Tuesday we're up in Sacramento, right? Standing up against one of the most horrific baby-killing bills on the planet that's ever been written. It's horrific. It's shameful. It's, it's a tragedy. But we're going to get involved, right? We're not going to be standing back and go, well, you know, someone should do something, you know? That someone's probably you, probably you, probably you. Um, we're called to get involved. We're called to step up into things. It's the nature of God to see what's going on in your life and not stay distant from it. Because we, we, we serve a, a God who gets active in our situation. It's why you can be so confident that God's going to hear you and do something because that's who he is. Well, you know, a lot of other false religions serve a very distant God, uninterested, waiting for you to perform and be perfect so that maybe you can appease them. That's not the God of the Bible. It's not our Savior, Jesus Christ. He saw the pain, the dysfunction, the brokenness, knew he was the only option to rescue. And so he leaves heaven, comes to earth, and gets involved in our mess, right? gets involved in our situation. I'm thankful we serve that kind of God. And so today I want to lean into a story that Jesus tells us, uh, a lot of times labeled in our Bibles as the Good Samaritan, which is why today's message I'm going to title, Who is My Neighbor? Who is My Neighbor? Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25, I'm going to read through this. It's a powerful few verses. I would encourage you just to kind of reflect on it this week. Jesus is teaching us a lot here, but it says this in verse 25, on one occasion, an expert uh, in the law stood up to test Jesus. Don't recommend it. You know what I mean? It's a little bit like testing Paul at Pickleball. Don't recommend it. Don't do it. A few of us, you know, we did, we did, I thought we kind of dominated the court. You know what I mean? Honestly, I don't know if you paid people off to like lose to you and me, but I appreciate the reign of dominance that we had. Jeff was doing work out there on the on the courts, right? You know what I'm saying? Did I do all right? I'm, I'm not trying to get you to say that publicly, but how did I do? Okay. I hate to force people to talk about how great I am at sports, but uh, but every once in a while you got to do it. No, honestly, it was so fun. <laughs> um, I, I can't remember why I brought it up. I just I think I was looking for a moment to talk about pickleball. Uh, testing Jesus. Yeah, don't test Jesus or Paul, okay? So that's that's the moral of the story, okay? Um, he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Good question. Verse 26, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now, how often do we find ourselves in this or we can get caught up in this where 
We're looking for a way to justify our inaction. This is what's going on here. He, he realizes where Jesus is taking this scenario, but he wants to justify why he hasn't gotten involved yet, why he hasn't spoken up yet. Everyone can have a judge. Well, you know what? I don't really post about those controversial issues, and here's my justification. Right? I'm trying to justify why I don't get involved. I don't get active. I, I don't stand up. I don't give. I don't, like, I, we can oftentimes look for ways or reasons to justify inaction, and that's what's happening here. So he says, Who is my neighbor? And then verse 30, Jesus says, In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead, which is pretty bad. Verse 31, a priest happened to be going down the same road. Good news, a pastor is coming. Oh, shoot, that doesn't go well. It says he happened to go down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Man, you know, a lot of times... Right now, we've been dealing with that in the kind of kingdom of God, pastors and church leaders passing by on the other side, unwilling to get involved, unwilling to deal with things, unwilling. How many thankful we have Pastor and Leanne who are not like that? Come on. Who are willing to get involved, who are willing to go towards the mess, who are willing to stand up, right? I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful to be on that team, right? On the team of, of the pastors and priests who don't avoid difficult topics and difficult issues, right? So the priest passed by, so too a Levite, so the politicians are coming in hot now. Maybe he's got an answer. When he came to the place and saw him, he also passed by on the other side. How sad is that? Pastors and politicians on the same boat avoiding issues. That sounds really similar to today. It's weird. But a Samaritan. Jesus, I love this. He tells stories that to us, we just kind of read them, cruise by. He is telling one of the most insane stories to this audience right now. He's been, he is calling out to the face of these people that are literally there. You pass by on the other side of the mess. And then he says, and a Samaritan who they all hated. Everyone listening to the story would have been instantly agitated when he introduces the Samaritan. Oh, maybe they thought, yeah, he'll pass by the other side for sure. Come on, Jesus. Let's, let's, let's give it to the Samaritans in the story. He says, but a Samaritan, right? Um, Traveled, he came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey. He took him to the inn and took care of him. And this guy's getting invested, right? The next day, he's got time involved here. The next day, he took out two silver coins, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. This, this is such a powerful 
story. And then verse 36, I literally just noticed this when I was preaching in the first service. Verse 36, which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. The thing I didn't notice literally until this morning was that Jesus, like standard Jesus style when he's engaging with the critics, he flips the question on them. Because the teacher of the law said, who is my neighbor? Jesus never answers that question. He actually turns it back on him and says, in this story, who was the good neighbor? Right? Not, he doesn't even answer whether or not the beaten, broken down dude was his neighbor or not. He actually turns it on him and says, okay, which one of these was the good neighbor? Which one passed the test? And it was, it was an easy layup, right, for, for this teacher to understand what Jesus, you know, he was like spoon feeding him, you know, hoping he got the answer right. Pretty obvious, but pick that one, you know. And and he gets in this scenario where he realizes, okay, um, Jesus is shifting something on me, and Jesus is actually challenging us, us now too, thousands of years later, to kind of look at these three different approaches, you know, the, the two that pass by and ignore the issue. And the one that Jesus celebrates is the one who got involved, the one who got his hands in the mess. The one who didn't sit by is, you know, I don't got time for that. I, I, I don't want to deal with that. That's not really my issue. It's not really my problem. I didn't really create that mess, so I'm good. I'm just going to leave it. You know, he, he doesn't celebrate that guy. He celebrates the one who stops everything to meet the need and be the neighbor that God has designed us to be. And why is that so powerful? Because that's what Jesus did for us. Jesus got involved in our mess. Jesus left everything and came down and rescued us. And now in response, right, in response, now he calls you and me to live that way. He calls you and me to get involved. Someone say get involved. Get involved. Get active. Put your hands to the plow. Get involved in the mess. Say yes to the mess, not the dress, the mess, okay? Say yes to the mess. Say yes to getting involved. Say yes to getting active. Say yes to serving. Say yes to giving, right? So let me just highlight a few things um, from this story that I think is maybe why sometimes we don't get involved that I think will challenge us. And just the first thing to highlight is the fact that he stopped and interrupted his own schedule, right? I think one of the biggest reasons why we don't say more, we don't do more, we don't participate, we don't run for maybe local offices, there's a lot of things that maybe we don't do. And why is it? Because ah, it's an inconvenience, well, here's just a little reminder for every single one of us. Just about anything that God ever asks you to do, any problem he ever asks you to solve, any challenge you're ever supposed to be a solution to is going to be inconvenient. You're never going to get to a place like, you know what? Man, um, 
I'm just going to just stop everything and love it. It's never an inconvenience to me. No, actually, there's always going to be a level of sacrifice on our schedule to get involved. Whether it's literally serving here with teams, whether it's being a part of Hero. You think that was convenient with all, all life that, that all those actors and production and crew have? No, it's, it's a sacrifice. It's time. It's energy. It's space. But it's the schedule that they create. So I would say, you know, sometimes we might literally not have enough room in our schedule. It's a little bit like when somebody first hears about tithing. You're like, whoa, 10%? Like, a whole 10% of my income, you want me just like to, to not have, to just give? And, you, and when people first hear about that, they might be like, I, I don't have enough margin in my life to give 10%. And the truth is, you may not right now, but that's when you start going, okay, I got to shift some things. I got to figure out how to adjust my world to be actually create that 10% margin in my life to be able to give that. You might have to be intentional about that. It's the same thing with our time. You might be like, man, I just don't have time to help. I don't have time to raise my voice. I don't have time to go to the, the school board meetings. I don't have time to get active. I don't have time to serve. Well, you know what? Maybe you don't right now. But if you're living so far to the margins, you actually gonna have to get intentional about adjusting your world to create room to begin to get involved, right? To actually get active in something. And every single one of us, especially in the culture we can live in where everything's 10 and 100Xing and next level and go hardcore and 24-7 and I never sleep and people like singing songs about it and rapping about it and talking about it. And it's like, it's like a show off to say that you're so busy and you're so extended and you're so this. It's like, if you tell me, man, I'm just so busy, man, my life is just, I'm like, that's not impressive to me. I'm not impressed by you being overextended. That's not, there's nothing about that where I'm like, wow, great job. How's that going for you? Now, some of you in this room may be that right now. Okay, but I just want to encourage you. What you need to start heading towards is a mindset that understands I can thrive and prosper in every area of my life without being in a frazzled, overextended state. And if you're currently there, then that might mean you need to have some more conversations. You need to get some coaching. You need to get some strategy. You need to get some help. But you don't need to settle for living a life that is frazzled and overextended and overworked and feeling like you want to quit life and feeling like you're going to, you know, everything's just, you don't have to settle for that life, right? You don't have to settle there. God has actually designed us to live with margin. Amen. Getting a witness right up here. Let's go. And yes, there are busier seasons. Yes, there's, you know, ebbs and flows of life. And I understand that. But part of tithing and Sabbathing, if that's, if that's a thing, part of that is a trust factor. Do you trust that God and you with 90% of your income can do more than you by yourself with 100? Do you trust God? Can you, can you let the 10 go? Do you trust that with six days and, and of work and effort and investment with a, a Sabbath of a day where you've carved out to, to give to God, do you, do you believe that you can do what you need to do in six days? Or you got to hustle and grind for seven? Because if you do, something's off. Because that's not how God designed us to live. And I believe that every single one of us, God has given us what we need to prosper, 
to be in health and to thrive within the context of being a tither and being a Sabbather. (laughs) (laughs) I heard someone say, dude, I Sabbath so hard. I was like, okay. Hey, 10 extra Sabbath. Go ahead, I guess. Yeah, just chill out, you know. <laughs> Sabbath isn't a competition. I oh, Sabbath three days. Okay, now you're just getting lazy. Okay. The Bible don't talk about no three-day work week. That's not a biblical model. It's actually not. He, you, work, you work six days. <gasps> you can. Like, that's actually in the Bible. It's okay. <laughs> now no one like that. They don't like that. Eric, they're done. Everyone read the four-day work week, and they got super pumped. And Now I lost them. Oh, man. Sorry, Paul. So you're going to have to do a lot of prayer afterward. People are going to need it. He, he stopped his schedule. He literally got involved, and, and I, I've already been saying this, but I think it just stands. It's very important that when we see the mess when we see somebody broken and and hurting, when we see injustice being done, and when we see evil trying to take advantage and and trying to, um, you know, have its way in our nation, we can't walk on the other side of the street and ignore that. We we need to do something. You, You and I have been given the privilege of this life this hour, this season, and when we see the absolute insanity that is trying to be shoved down the throat of not only our children, but the next generation and through all this kind of stuff, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to do my part. Now, we all have different parts we can play, but don't assume that you have no part to play. There's something that God has for you to do in this moment, to use your voice, to use your actions, to use your investment, whatever you got to do. There, there's something that God has called you and me to do to get involved. And there'll be another kind of point from this is that he got literally invested. This, this Samaritan starts using his donkey, probably got blood on it, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, fresh leather, and he's got blood on his donkey because he's carrying the beat up, bruised dude. Thankfully, that can wash off. When we were kids, my brothers and I painted this goat we had like a bomb pop. You know what I mean? Like red, white, and blue for the 4th of July. Don't recommend it. Don't recommend it. Keep me away from your animals. It's not, it's not a good thing. Um, but he, he starts investing. He starts pulling out his money. He starts helping. He starts using his resource. He starts bringing what he has to the table to serve this guy and then puts him up in a hotel and says, take care of this guy, leave some money, and then says, I will settle the account when I get back. I mean, this guy is all in. This guy has invested. I remember one time a pastor named Craig Rochelle said, a lot of times Christians are not wealthy enough to be a Christian. Because how many of us would have margin to stop, help somebody who's broken, put them up in a hotel for some extended period of time, and then pay all their medical bills? Who who has the ability to do that? The Bible says uh, also that we want to be generous on every occasion. Does Does anybody still need to create some margin in their life to actually get to a place where you can literally be generous on every occasion? No. No shame if you're not there yet, but I just want us to know that our goal is to not just get enough for ourselves. Our goal is to be in a place where we're able to be generous on every occasion. 
helping people, serving people, right? That's the goal. And then Jesus ends with a challenge that extends to us. He says, now go, do likewise. That's us. That's you and me today. Are we being the neighbor? You know what I mean? Are we being that neighbor? Are we being that friend that is going into the mess and standing up and speaking up and getting involved and getting active? And if if there's something that agitates you, it's time to let it activate you, okay? Get involved. Step up. Be a part of bringing solutions to the world that God has given you. Thankfully, as Awaken, we're already kind of on the same page like this. When we talk about getting active locally and politically and all, no one, no one's running. I mean, okay, there's one guy, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Uh, it, no, no one's leaving because this is what we are about. Like we're about this principle of God that when we see a mess, we get involved in it. We don't just step back and go, well, that's somebody else's problem. No, it's us. We are here for such a time as this. And we have an opportunity and a God call to get actively involved in bringing God's truth and God's ways and his life and his healing. Come on, we're gonna gonna bring healing. Just like the Good Samaritan brought healing to this half dead man. We got a lot of scenarios in our world right now that are half dead, that are on life support, that are in difficult spaces, that are in, in, in painful scenarios. And we are going to make a decision that we are going to bring healing and we're going to bring truth and we're going to bring restoration and we're going to bring the presence of God. Amen. Would you stand your feet? Let's pray. Let's pray. I I want us to just make a fresh commitment in our hearts to God, really, just to say, Jesus, whatever you called me to get involved in, or maybe that mess that, if you're honest, you've been walking by on the other side, kind of trying to not deal with it, not wanting to get involved, feeling like it's got to be somebody else's deal. But God keeps letting you see it. See, when the Good Samaritan saw, that's when he stopped, right? So what is something right now that you are seeing that God is wanting you now to move from just seeing it to actually stopping and getting involved in it, getting active in it, being a part of the solution of it? We as Awakened Church are not just here to just kill time while we're alive and then we move on. We are here to affect change, to be fresh, real, and powerful solution to the world that God has called us to, to Bresser Ranch, to Carlsbad, come on, to Encinitas, come on, to Oceanside. God has called us to this city, to this community. I want to get involved in it. I know it might be messy. I know it's going to be inconvenient. I know it's going to cost me. But Jesus did all of those things for me. How could I not? How could we not respond like that? You know what? We've all got different parts to play, like I said, but let's play our part. Let's do what we're called to do. Let's add our voice to it. Let's add our strength to it. Let's add our resource to it. And together, man, we're going to allow God to use us to bring healing to the mess in the city that God loves so much. You believe that God so loved Carlsbad, (laughs) right? God so loved this North County region. He so loved it. Not only he came 2,000 years ago to save it, but now he's put you and me here for such a time as this. He so loved Carlsbad, he sent us. He sent us to be a solution. He sent us to be an answer. 
He sent us to speak up and get involved. Amen. Let's just lift up our hands. It's just kind of a, uh, a, a statement of willingness to, to God to say yes. Yes to whatever you have for us. Father, if there's messes in our world right now and in our zip codes and, and beyond that you've shown us, God, we just commit to not, not dodging it anymore and not turning a blind eye to it, but getting involved, getting active, getting into the situation and bringing your healing power, bringing your goodness, bringing your, 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 the message of, of Jesus to a hurting and broken world. We're not going to be silent. We're going to be the watchmen who speak up. We're going to be the watchmen who sound the alarm. We're going to be the watchmen who, who see and speak and get active and get involved in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know, one, one more question. Just head bowed and eyes closed. Just self-reflection moment before we, we head off and enjoy lunch and hang out. The, the question we all have to answer, mo- most of us in this room have answered this question. That's why we're here. That's why we celebrate. That's why we're worshiping. Uh, the question is, who is the Lord of your life? Right? Is, is, is Satan and his ways got a grip on you and, and got a hold on your life? Or have you given your life over to Jesus? Because Jesus wants to set you free from anything the enemy has tried to put a hold on you, and he wants to give you life. The enemy offers no life, no hope, no peace, all temporary fixes that never satisfy, but Jesus offers you life and closeness to the Father again. So maybe today is going to be a first time that you're ready to respond to Jesus because he died on the cross. He paid the debt of our sin that only he could pay And he offers now this gift of grace, this gift of salvation to you and me if we put our faith in him. But we have to make that decision. Maybe some of you, you've never done that. Today's going to be your day. You feel it. Man, maybe even your heart is pounding. You're like, oh, man, he's talking about me. This is me. I know it's me. You're about ready to respond to it because you you can feel that. In a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to lift up your hand. We're going to pray together. Maybe you've never done that and you just... You've heard maybe bits and pieces or maybe not, not much at all. And just you're coming in encounter with the presence of God, the love of God. And you just know you need Jesus to save you and heal you and bring you close. In a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to respond if that's you. Or maybe you've done that in the past, but maybe it's been months. Maybe it's been years. Maybe it's been forever. And you just feel like me, you've been running. You've been kind of doing your own thing. You sort of kind of been the prodigal, maybe even feeling. You just know that today's a day where I'm going to put my, uh, I, I'm going to put my, I'm going to draw a line in the sand. I'm going to step over that and, uh, of commitment to your purpose and to your plan. If that's you, either one of those scenarios, whether for the first time or as a recommitment, I want to be able to pray with you. So on the count of three, just lift up your hand. One, two, three, lift up your hand. Say, that's me. Good. Anybody else? Just say, that's me. So I want to give my life to Jesus. Time to turn it over. Anybody else? Lift it up nice and high. Make sure I know. I want to know who I'm praying with. Anybody else? Awesome. So good. He loves you. 
He's calling you close. He's going to forgive all of your sin. He's going he's gonna to wipe away the shame. The enemy's always going to want to shove in your face, but he's going to cover. He's going to cover you with grace and his mercy and his goodness, and he's going to bring healing to your life. So everyone, I want you guys to pray with me. Your simple but powerful prayer. Church, why don't you just repeat this after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin and raise him from the dead to give me life. Today, I choose to follow you. You're the leader and the Lord of my life. From this moment on, I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.